You are listening to It's Midnight Somewhere with DJs Mistress McCutcheon and The Wasteland. It's midnight somewhere. It's midnight. It's midnight Hi, this is Mistress McCutcheon coming to you from downtown Toronto, and it is hot as balls out. I'm, of course, accompanied by The Wasteland. And I'm also coming to you from West End Toronto, where I have also somehow accumulated and afforded windows, and I am uh, offended by your use of the plural balls. (laughs) Damn. Well, maybe maybe I'm talking about lady balls. I just wear them higher. I mean, that is quite possible. I, I had to help my partner cool hers off earlier by just holding them up <laughs> under a fan. Um, just like the cartoon. TMI, but, you know, I, I'm a supportive partner. Ah, good pun. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now that we got the shenanigans out of the way, first of all, I wanted to thank folks for listening to the horror movie episode podcast that we did last month. We actually got a couple of really interesting recommendations from folks. Joanne had uh, written to me and had also recommended uh, on the Asian film uh, tip had recommended the movie Audition, which is a Japanese film that came out in 1999. And from what I know of it, it's about a widower who is auditioning women uh, to be his partner, and he doesn't quite get what he's bargained for. For for full uh, disclosure, it is more of a torture porn film, and I know that's not for everybody. Um, I also want to make a correction on that tip, and the Korean film I was trying to think of with the guy in the... Um, He wakes up and he plays video games and misses the zombie apocalypse until he gets horrible messages from his family. It's called Hashtag Alive, and it is on Netflix still. So I did get the title wrong, and that's because I was working from memory, and I don't always look things up on the spot because I am a bad human. I wouldn't say you're a bad human. It's just, you know, it it makes a big difference when we take notes and have them up in front of us while we're yapping here, so... Uh, Audition right. is also available uh, on Shutter if you have a Shutter subscription. If you don't have a Shutter subscription, what the hell are you doing? What are you watching? Get on that. Fix it. The other recommendation that I had received actually came from Matthew, who loved the episode and appreciated uh, what we do and said, hey, you know, it's really awesome to hear some intelligent folks chatting about stuff. And I thought, ah, we're just a couple of salty bitches. But uh, he recommended Kronos, which is a Guillermo del Toro movie that came out in 93. And I hear Guillermo del Toro and I'm already sold. Yeah, I don't know that one. So I'm into it. I'm going to go see if I can find it. Yeah, we got to look that up. So it's music podcast. We need to talk about music first and foremost because... Which we haven't done really in a bit. We haven't. And it's just been funny because we just had Prophecy earlier this month. And it was strange because everybody's like, wait a minute, it's not Bandcamp Friday. Because Bandcamp Friday has been on pause 
for a little bit, uh, although people are still releasing a bunch of stuff on First Fridays anyway, because I know my inbox was flooded with all the new releases that day. And a bunch of people saying, hey, it's Bandcamp Friday, check out our stuff. And and I'm not sure if it was or wasn't at this point, because I do know that Bandcamp sent out, there was some really long post, and I'm not best always at reading really long posts. I, I, I'm just looking for the... Uh, Tier, uh, what's it called? The uh, tier, tier deals, the TLDRs. Too long, didn't read. Somebody <laughs> sum it up for me. But I'm pretty sure Bandcamp Friday starts again in July or August. August. It is August sixth. Okay. Is the next Bandcamp, and the news has it that Bandcamp Fridays will continue from August sixth till the end of this year. Cool. Because you know artists still deserve to be supported, and that's why I buy music. And if you don't, um. Fuck you. Yeah. So in light of all this new music, what's new and exciting to you today? Um, one of my new favorite acts, which is going to be kind of surprising for most people because it's more post-punky, is um, Jason Priest. And the first album is coming out soon. You can pre-order it now. It's from uh, Midnight Mannequin Records. And it's called Jason Priest dot 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 is missing. So I guess the title is missing. The first single off of it is called When the Clown Cries. And I played it for a Psalms edition a little while ago. On on our Prophecy Night, I played a different version. And yeah, check it out. Here you go.
to admit I'm really excited about the new Traders album that's coming out on July 30th. The upcoming album is called The Sick, Tired, and Ill, and on June 4th, they dropped the first single, which also has a video. It's called Magdalene. Baby 
So the main thing we wanted to do today and talk about is a follow-up on our Problematic Artist episode. And we want to follow that up with what does redemption look like? Because people are flawed. And ultimately, the difference between cancel culture and accountability culture is the ability to forgive somebody who's done the work. Now, does that mean they have to be forgiven by the people they've wronged? That's the question. Because I think some things can't be forgiven by a victim, but by a wider community, we need to recognize that when people put the, the work in to better themselves, we need to move on. They've, they've paid their dues, uh, done their time, how, whatever the, the phrase is you want to apply to it. And that's just it. As far as someone who's going to be, quote unquote, putting the work in, what does that exactly mean? That's the question. And I think that's what we need to, to look at. And I want to bring up two examples that we talked about in our problematic artist episode. The first being, because it's the easiest, and I think they didn't really put any work in, but they did the right things, and that's ministry. Um, ministry, as we highlighted, had Sing Kieran on guitar, and he was, had been getting writing credits and everything, and then there were accusations of him... Um, to sum it up briefly, grooming young girls and or having sex with underage girls. And then very Al didn't want to talk about it with anybody. We kind of called him out for it. But then all of a sudden they released an EP and there was no writing credits from Sinkirin. And then they went on a, you know, they scheduled a tour and he was not listed as part of the band. Now, I say scheduled because 2020, blah, 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 you know, um, But I think Al is doing the right things. He's just choosing to handle it in a non-public manner, which I could kind of respect because a band is a business. And, you know, as somebody who works with people and full disclosure, I'm a retail manager and I'm a manager and I got to, you know, I get people and they're close to me and then somebody will get released and we'll let them go. And people will ask what happened. I'll be like, I can't talk about it or, you know. I just shrug it off and walk away. And Al is more or less the manager of ministry. He is the man- the head of personnel. He's HR. You know, he might have a manager that helps him do things because he's Al and he's scatterbrained as fuck. But he's not going to go out there and be like, yeah, I'm firing this fucker because he's, you know, whatever. He He just didn't talk about it. And I think I kind of respect that angle professionally. Um... I don't know if that's enough for everybody else. I can't speak for everybody else. I just can speak from where I come from professionally. Sure, sure. Because the the whole thing in dealing with problematic artists, I mean, knowing where your money is going, uh, because not related to music, but related to something near and dear to my heart, which is fashion and style. I know an example that I can give is uh, Kat Von D., because she had a cosmetic line with Sephora with her name on it. And uh, she's she's come out as, as being a horrible person, uh, ha- saying anti-Semitic things, being an anti-vaxxer and that sort of thing. And it's just you really don't want to you really don't want to support this. And, and you're supporting by giving your money and buying that stuff, which is why I know a lot of folks stop buying that brand because even if they liked it, it's hard when it's something that you like and something that you, uh, something that you're regularly consuming. It's hard to quit that when you're like, well, no, I can't give my money to this person, but she stepped down. 
And even though Sephora has changed the name of the line and it's KVD, like vegan beauty, it doesn't have her name on it. But is she still getting royalties for it? No idea. Personally, I still don't want to buy that brand. Right. And I've recently seen articles saying, oh, Kat, you wouldn't believe how Kat found these and reinvented herself. And I think that's a lug- luxury she has that Al Jurgensen doesn't because she's much younger than him. And let's be honest, Al Jurgensen's hit that point of, uh, of a music career where there is no retirement. This is his retirement is to keep doing this. There is no 401k. There is no pension plan. There is no... Unless you've banked your money, which we all know he does, he hasn't. Um, he has a long, sordid past with a whole lot of books and movies made about that. We don't need to get into that. So we know that he doesn't have a retirement plan. His retirement plan is to basically be ministry until he's not with us anymore, which is sad in its own right that that we don't support our artists in that way culturally. But he may be quiet on this just to quietly remove a member of his band who is super problematic. And in, you know, if that holds true, if this person doesn't come back, does that equal redemption for you? Because I know you held them to a higher bar than I did because I was like, I'll still play old ministry, but I I don't really listen to new stuff. But, you know, I'll throw in something from Twitch every once in a while. And you were like, I'll never play anything again. So... I, my question to you is, would you give them redemption on this one if they remove that member quietly? I think removing quietly and not speak like Al has always been so outspoken about his his political views and his, you know, creative vision that it's kind of it's kind of weird to me that he would just quietly remove this and not uh, not address it and say, yes, I recognize this is a problem. And uh, I. It's a really, it's, that's a really tough decision for me to make. Do do I still, would that make me feel comfortable to go in and go ahead and play ministry again? Although granted, you know, my, my interest in ministry does stop though at the land of rape and honey or uh, mind is a terrible thing to taste. So, I mean, I'm not playing anything recent anyway. I mean, neither am I because I mean, I stop a little, I stop later, but what I'll DJ is not much later. But uh, what it comes down to is, while he was always outspoken on, I'm going to point out something. He was always outspoken on his politics. He was always outspoken on um, his beliefs, but he's never been outspoken on ministry because in the day, ministry was just him and Paul Barker. And now Paul Barker's gone. And when Paul Barker left, he didn't release much of a statement either. He just said, Paul Barker is no longer a part of ministry, period, end of statement. That was it. That was all we got. We didn't find out for 10 years why, you know? And that was when Paul Barker came out and decided to break his silence because he just didn't want to be bothered with it. And I get that. That's part of recovery. And Paul Barker went into recovery before Al. Fair, right? fair. So, I, I mean, is he is he being hypocritical? Hard to say. Hard to say. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't give him a pass, but I'm, I, I would keep an eye on it. But I think he's taking steps to move in the right direction. He knows where the winds are blowing, and he knows what's going to affect his money in the end. Sure. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if that's the best reason to do a thing, but some reason's better than no reason. Yeah. Well, I I mean, money and and people watching their bottom line is, uh, that's a reality. That's, That's 
a reality for a, for companies and for people who are are doing their thing. Because uh, that just brings to mind now, I don't know why I'm uh, my brain is thinking about makeup. But uh, that just reminds me of when Urban Decay and MAC Cosmetics were about to enter the Chinese market, and which is a huge market to be involved mm-hmm. in as a company. But, but the problem is that the Chinese government requires animal testing on their cosmetics. And MAC has never, you know, MAC has always had this stance on, you know, being against animal testing. And so is Urban Urban Decay. And it's kind of like, okay, well, if you're going to go this way and you want to enter the Chinese market, you're going to sacrifice your your customers who want cruelty-free makeup. So there was a boycott. There was tons of petitions floating around and Urban Decay pushed back. They were under the pressure and said, you know what? No, we're we're not going to do this. We would rather stay out of out of China if it means that uh, we're not going to be tested on animals. Mac, on the other hand, went forward. Although Mac is also owned by Estee Lauder, which tests on animals has never has never cared about that. Exactly. So Mac was kind of always kind of a marketing move for Estee Lauder. But whatever. Yeah, that's that's a wholly different fucking conversation. Um, True, because, again, people want to protect their bottom line and you as a consumer of music, cosmetics, whatever it is, I think it's important to be educated about where your things are coming from. Money is a universal motivator. I just said that to somebody yesterday. So if you can affect their bottom line, they're going to make decisions. So fuck Chick-fil-A. And for the same reasons, fuck the Cruel World Festival. If you're going that, you're supporting people who are not only putting Morrissey as their headliner, which should be a red flag, but the people who own that festival and also own Coachella are big conservative Christians that donate to anti-LGBTQ quilt bag fucking uh, groups and are literally standing against everything that we are as a subculture of acceptance. Yeah. Yeah, I that lineup is... I remember when it's, that was... It's killer. Yeah, the lineup we, is killer. Yeah. But it's it's exploiting us to get our dollars to fight who we are. So do not do it. Well, because then the other problematic art, artist on that lineup who I would call out would be uh, PIL and John Lydon. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think I pointed that out somewhere online. Somebody was like, oh, Morrissey. I'm like, okay, you're going to go off on Morrissey, but not uh, PIL because why? Right. Yeah. So, yeah. That yeah, festival. They're both. It's 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 a bad bag. People, please don't go. Please don't go. Well, again, it's it's about voting with your dollars. And do you are you going to feel OK about giving your money to to these people? Because on the flip side of this. I know some folks are like, well, everybody's problematic and everybody's going to have issues. Then what are we going to be left with? And you know well, what? Well, that's why it, you have to have accountability versus cancel. Because if you just cancel, everybody's gone. But if you have accountability, um, and my, my favorite example of this is Caustic has a song called All of Your Heroes Are Dildos. And that's kind of true because anybody you're looking up to or idolizing is probably been a dick at some point. But have they made a, have they attempted to make amends? Have they done the work? Have they tried to reform their their abilities? And that comes down to really, I think, the catalyst of 
this topic today, which is the other person we talked about in our problematic artist episode, which was Andy Dean. Yes. Now, Andy Dean had a, I'm going to say, prolific problem of narcissistic personality disorder, as described by his former bandmates in Bella Morte. Is, is that fair to say? I, yeah, yeah. Okay. And through social media groups and people that are close to Andy, um, I'm just going to say because I know the person doesn't care what anybody thinks of him, uh, Stephen Archer came forward and said, you know, Andy's done the work. He's been in rehab for, he went to rehab for like a year and a half. Um, he's been in therapy since those accusations were made in 2018. So that's four years. Um, he has apparently tried to make amends everywhere where those who felt victimized would allow him. Now, I think that's that's an important distinction because a victim has the right to say, no, this is not cool. And I don't want you to be able to make amends. But where do we as consumers, and this I think is the primary question of today's topic, where do we as consumers, what's okay? Where does it become cancel and where do we go? They've served their time and that that was accountability. And I think that is an important distinction because if we just say they did something terrible once, write them off, um, you know, unplug this podcast because I'm sure I fucked up somewhere when I was 15. Uh, just throwing a dart. Let's throw a dart. Let's throw a dart right in the middle of any of our teenage years. We've all fucked up. Every single one of us has sure. fucked somebody over. And all it takes is one of them coming forward to destroy us like that. You know, now Andy, it was his band that came forward and said he had a pattern of this. But now we have other artists coming forward and saying he's done the work and we've stuck by him. So I kick it to you yeah, as, as I, a woman who has gone, has, as you said on our episode, been through a victimization. What's the line? Because I feel like as a white dude, a white cis male, I cannot say, yeah, that's enough. Like, it's no, not my call. That's just it. And 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 as a, a, a white cishet dude, I want to see more of y'all standing up and speaking out. That's the big issue for me is is when when this is happening that that guys do stand up and say, hey, no, this is actually not acceptable and uh, you can't do that with Andy Dean, because I mean, I it's funny because I had remembered that there was a whole website, uh, bellaveritas.me that had accounts of various women who had come forward to uh, to tell their story. And the yeah. website is gone, but there's yep. still a thread floating around on Reddit that accounts this. And yeah, it dates back to 2018. So it's entirely possible that he's done the work. I kind of want to see the receipts. I mean, that's fair. Now, now I'm going to say that you're the, you, you've said that you want to see cis white het dudes just stand up and say something. And for the record, I did. Um Vampire Freaks uh, announced him as one of their acts for Dark Side of the Con whenever the fuck it's happening, because 2021, 2022, who the fuck knows anymore? Um, <laughs> uh, 
I had tickets to it originally, and I got them refunded because the main act I wanted to see canceled because they didn't know when they would be able to travel overseas, and that was Suicide Commando. I've seen Rain with him before, and that was before I knew any of this. But, um, and I just flat out said, oh, so you're just straight up booking the Predators now. And then somebody, and then you responded to me saying, you know, I wish more people would say something, and that was cool. And then somebody responded to you, which I'm going to note, yeah, they challenged the woman, not the dude. Right. Very interesting. That's fucked. Very, mm-hmm. no, nah, fucked up. Not interesting. That's fucked up. And then um, the post was locked. Nobody else could, I, I couldn't comment. You couldn't comment. I'm assuming the post was locked. Um, but the thing is, that triggered a... Uh, a conversation in another group we're in, we're both in, for uh, creatives within our scene and our thing. And that's where Stephen Archer came forward. Now, Stephen Archer, people, you could say a lot of things about him, but the one thing I've noticed by talking to him and following him for a number of years, mostly following him, I'll be honest, we're not close friends, is he's a lot of things, but he is not full of shit. I am sitting here so, nodding. No, I think he's, yeah, a, exactly. he's a solid guy. Yeah, he he's straight up and he's a solid guy. So if he's saying that Andy's done done work, now the question becomes, you know, and I've said it myself, you know, if somebody's done work, where's the line? Where's the line of proof? Because I think asking somebody to take their private life, however much it's been magnified by others, and to get up on a soapbox and just tell everybody, here's my therapy receipts, here's how much I spent, is a f- high fucking bar. So at what point do we just accept that they did the work? I mean, where's that line? How do we how do we prove that? How do we accept that? Where do we accept that? Do we accept somebody, like, I would be willing to accept Stephen's word because, again, I've known him tangentially and through other channels and talk to him a couple of times over a span of like six or seven years. But how is that acceptable for every artist? So again, the question to you would be, how do we accept that? Where is the acceptable line? And how do we move forward with an artist who has other people saying they've done the work? Because again, asking them to put actual receipts on the table and saying, look, this is what I've done and this is how much I paid is kind of against privacy laws, honestly. Oh, well, when I'm talking about receipts, I'm not talking about like physical therapy or uh, rehab receipts. I'm talking about like a receipt of a conversation. Like, did he apologize? Did he, you know, make amends with people that he victimized? That's that's the kind of receipts I'm talking about. Because as as, a, as an artist and as a public figure, whether you like it or not, you you will get scrutinized and you will be held up under a, a magnifying glass with what you do. Because when you're creating art and you have a following, people are, are interested. They want to know what inspires you. They want to know what you do. They want to know details. People want to get into that kind of stuff unless you're like an insanely private person, you keep that all under wraps. I mean, it's so easy with social media uh, these days because everything can come to light and everything can show up on the internet. But did he ever make a statement? 
recognizing, acknowledging he was wrong and apologize? Did he ever apologize to women that he victimized? That's that's the kind of receipt I want to know. I want to see and hear about. And that's all fair, but uh, can I push back slightly? Sure. I, I'm not trying to say you're wrong. I'm just trying to say we live in a post-fact society where somebody could come forward and said, I apologize to them, and somebody else can say, no, you didn't. Or you can put out a public statement, and then somebody can come forward and be like, I'm their friend, and blah, 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 blah. You know, it doesn't always matter what you've actually done. That's the world we live in these days. We have a lot of con- conspiracy theorists running government. Look at Ontario. There's a reason why we're the worst in North America for fucking handling this virus and have been locked in our homes for, I don't, I don't even know how many months it is now. 15. Like. 15 months. 15. 15? 15. Yeah. I count so, every day. I've counted every day since I've worked from home. Which is, you know, I rely on you for that because every time you post, this is day whatever, whatever, I know you being a person who works from home and you and your partner take the virus super seriously living in a super condensed population area and don't have any reason to leave count every day like prisoners and i have to because of what i do leave the house on a daily basis and i just don't because it's irrelevant to me so i mean we live in different worlds in that respect and i think we also kind of live in different worlds from some of these artists. So where's, you know, most artists become super private people because there is everything online. Sure. And especially artists who are abusive, because if you're abusive, you don't want everybody knowing. So you're going to be more secretive. That's your nature. So it's a hard question. You know, I, I want people to be able to redeem themselves. I believe in accountability over cancellation. I do. I believe in redemption. I believe people deserve second chances. But when you're talking about worldwide or national scenes, it's hard. I agree. It's and- hard to tell 5,000 people you have never met, hey, I've been in therapy for like a year and a half. I've gone to recovery and, you know... Props to the people who can. Uh, Matt Finale posted the other day how I think he's been 10 or 15 years uh, clean from alcohol. Great for him. Honestly, great for him. And the fact that he puts it on his fucking caustic page, more power to him. But not everybody can do that. Right? And if somebody came to me and be like, he was a shit when he was like 20, I was like, yeah, but he had problems and he's been to recovery. I I think it's really hard to... It is a really hard question and it's hard to kind of paint everybody with the same brush in that, well, if you do this, then this is okay. Or if you just do this, then this is okay. I I think it really has to be dealt with on a case by case basis. What the person did. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's really challenging. What's going to make you feel comfortable about like, yeah, I think this person's done the work and this is okay. Cause like on a personal level, when someone's done something pretty heinous, like what are the kind of things that you would expect in order for them to redeem themselves? Like uh, people within our own local scene who we have banned from our nights because they've made other people feel unsafe. Like, what's it going to take for us to say, yeah, it's okay, you can come back? Uh, Time is a factor. 
having some time to to say, okay, you've spent some time where you've you've thought about what you've done and you're not out victimizing someone or doing something harmful to someone else. Like time, I think, is is an important thing to allow for some healing and to allow people to kind of think about what they've done and wrong their rights. But again, it, it depends on what that person has done, what that person is actively doing, because, you know, every day you're given another chance. And as you move forward, if you can continue making better decisions, doing better things, I think that's really important. I think it is. I think you're right. Now, my second question on this topic is, where does the line for redemption end? What do you because mean? Because at a well, at a certain point, there are certain things you can do that I I just don't think you can come back from. Yeah, you know, I, and you know the the first example that jumps to mind for me personally is um, there's two, and that is one that is definitely within our scene, and one that most of us will disavow, but perception is reality, and the first is uh, Combi Christ. Mm-hmm. And the second is, because perception is reality, Marilyn Manson. Sure. We don't want him in our scene, but the popular worldview is A, therefore B, and that puts him in our lap. Whether or not we want to deal with him, whether or not we accept him, perception is reality, and outside view in influence... Bumped. Outside view influences... Um, new blood coming into us. So we have to deal with that. Sure. We do. And, and it's and easy. And he has no repentance in anything he said. And it's easy to write off Combi Christ and, and Marilyn Manson be like, yeah, well, I've never listened to them, never liked them anyway, so who gives a shit? But that's a very good point in that outside outsiders of the scene looking in may think, oh, this sounds like this, or this is like this, when in reality it's not. And th- But that just brings me to the difference between what's a scene and what's a community. Right. Because a scene is, is driven, I think a, a lot of the scene is driven by club going and going to shows and, and circles around music and activity around that music. But that isn't, always everything. I mean, just because you wear black, I wear black, I've got, you know, a, a Susie and the Banshees patch on my on the back of my jacket and you're wearing a t-shirt that says, you know, Nine Inch Nails on it or Skinny Puppy or whatever. Like, it doesn't mean we're instantly friends. Like, we happen to run in the same circle because of this interest, but there's your, your community who are people that you connect with, people that you talk to, um, people that you want to spend time with. Well, that also comes down to, in my mind, building a community because, like... Building a scene is easy. You just have to all like the same music. And this is kind of a 90s mindset of we look the same, we should be friends, realistically, because our community is a lot more than clubs and music these days. Sure. There's a a lot of people who like the music that won't go to clubs, and there's a lot of people who dislike the music and like the aesthetic. Now, that second person, I don't believe, belongs in our community and call me a gatekeeper that's fine but um we started as a music scene it needs to be a music scene 
fashion is part of that music scene. If you want to glom onto the fashion, that's fine. Um, if you, but just don't try to pretend you're a goth if you're not into goth music. And and for the for the uh, other side of that is don't try to pretend you're a rivet head if you're not into industrial music, because. I think you identify more as a goth and I identify more as an old rivet head because rivet heads don't exist anymore. We're just, we kind of fell in, into the melting pot and mixed into all of what is goth these days. Well, that's just it. And I think aesthetically, the the folks who are into the fashion and the styling, they're, you know, they'll, they'll enjoy this style, try it on, and, and then they'll move on to something else. They're, they're, th- this is, fairly temporary for them. But also in this day and age, there's so much crossover. We're not an underground scene. I mean, people know when you say the word, oh, they're a goth, or you make a joke about, oh, that's sad fucking goth or whatever. Like there's there's tropes and stereotypes of goths in mainstream culture and mentions like that uh, because we're not an underground scene anymore. And there's so much crossover in, in regards to what, looks like this and that and the other like just because I'm wearing a black t-shirt and black jeans and maybe have some tattoos and some body modifications and and uh, some funky colored hair that's not a strong indicator of the kind of music that I listen to or what scene I would identify with or what community I would identify with like right. you could be describing someone who's into metal. You could be describing someone who's into uh, into goth. You could be describing someone who's a rivet head. You could be describing lots of different sort of music cultures based on that description. You could be describing um, what's it? Um, MBSM. It's a national black national black metal thing. It's nationalist black metal, basically. And and a nationalist black metal person could look like a, a rivet head. Honestly, same clothing. Same sure. clothing. But but because perception of popular popularity, popularity pushes everything into mediocrity, so we get lumped in with Marilyn Manson. How do we deal with a problem like Marilyn Manson? We can't say he's not one of us because that, that, that has not worked since 1995. So... Uh, what do we do? What do we do with a problem like Marilyn Manson? Like bigger than Combi Christ, bigger than any other band monetarily or, or, um, draw or anything, any measure you throw out there right now, Marilyn Manson's going to beat it. Right. Yeah. So how do we deal with a problem like him? Do you have any answers? Cause I don't think I got any. See, that's when you say that, when you say, how do you deal with a problem like Marilyn Manson? I mean, I'm trying to get to the root of how that affects you. Us? Yeah, individually. Because the reason why I'm asking that in return is because maybe if I were a younger person and I was living in a suburb or a more rural area, someone would identify me as, as being, oh, you wear a lot of black and you listen to Marilyn Manson and then they make certain assumptions about who I am or, uh, or something like that. But me being, you know, an, a middle-aged goth death rocker type who lives in, in a city, a major city, it's a little different. So, um, personally, 
it doesn't affect me, but for someone in a different context, it could. And that's where, yeah, if I putting myself in those shoes that, oh, what if I'm a 20 something out in, uh, I don't know, out in Barrie or something or or somewhere in bumfuck New Jersey. Like, yeah, some people may make some assumptions. Bumfuck New Jersey. Yes, I said that. I, I know a lot of people who live in bumfuck New Jersey and they're going to be offended you said that. And I'm going to remind everybody that uh, Mistress McCutcheon is originally from Jersey. So if you're offended by her saying bumfuck New Jersey, move. I f- <laughs> Hey, I feel like... I feel entitled to say bumfuck New Jersey because I was born there. That's like me saying North Nowhere, New York. And I have to laugh. I have to laugh about it because I can never get away from New Jersey, clearly. And when I travel and I mentioned, yeah, I was actually born in New Jersey. The first thing I I hear from a lot of folks is, oh, Bruce Springsteen. And that's exactly it, because that is the area where I grew up. It was the land of Bruce Springsteen and uh, that being the Jersey Shore. But anyway, now that said, I actually kind of love Bruce Springsteen. But, oh, I have uh, a soft spot in my heart for Bruce Springsteen as well. You, you for have sure. to. You for have sure. to. If you come from you that do. area of the world, it just happens. That's like that's like Long Island and Billy Joel. But that's a that's a whole separate conversation. That's a whole different conversation because I don't even want to start with like, well, then is Bruce Springsteen goth? Because no, he's not. But just because you can appreciate other musicians doesn't make it this or that. You, you're allowed to like the things you like. End of that discussion. Anyway, let's go back to Bump Up New Jersey. Bump Up New, New Jersey, Jersey. Marilyn Manson. <laughs> I really think the, the, I, the answer here is what you said, is somebody growing up in the suburbs, whenever, you know, they've come across Marilyn Manson, which for me, I was in a suburb when Marilyn Manson came out in 95, and it's kind of an infection vector. But you have to... This is the thing we have to learn is to not just write people off for what they like. We have to educate them. Yeah. Give them their, like, slowly. Not, like, all at once. Not, like, no, that's shit. Listen to this. Because that doesn't work. Nobody wants to hear what they're listening to is shit. Nobody wants to hear what they're listening to is blah, 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 blah. Whatever your thing is, it doesn't matter You've got to slowly introduce. You've got to wean people off. You've got to work people into things that they might like that are not Marilyn fucking Manson. This goes into a whole conversation about gateway bands and how people get into how they discover other music. Because when you are legitimately a music fan... You're going to want to sink your teeth into everything you can get your hands on. And once you learn about this band and, oh, this band. I mean, these are the reasons why when people tune into our stream and they're like, oh, you're playing some stuff I don't know. And they really and then they start to appreciate it. Oh, they appreciate that you played Hante the other the other night or that I'm playing something from Traders. And, oh, I wasn't aware of this. Or, oh, I'm playing. Um, what was the other one? There's a Mexican band that uh, that I put on uh the other night at Prophecy uh, called Silent. It's fucking excellent. And yeah, it was. It was great. Because people are like, oh, it's a banging tune. And it's like, yeah, there's lots of there's lots of music out there. The, the whole but thing with the being... But that's the thing is, I'm going to say that I think a lot of those people are older people in our scenes and they've been cultivated to love music, not just appreciate music. Sure. And when we get new blood, we can't just believe everything you love is shit because they're going to leave. And yeah. that's 
where we turn into gatekeepers. And there yeah. is some good gatekeeping if you're keeping out like a fucking person who's a goddamn problem. Like, you know, if Trent Reznor just fucking threw Marilyn Manson in the lake and drowned him, we'd all be better for it. However, uh, <laughs> he didn't because drugs and money and it didn't matter. Uh, but now... Now, if you get somebody who's from that suburb who's like, I like Marilyn Manson, I think I'm goth, you need to latch on the fact that they think they're goth and just be like, let me show you something better and not tell you what you like is shit. I need you to realize what you like is shit on your own. And I think that's the line for bands like that. Yeah. Like, we have to be more accepting of the younger crowd because a lot of nights are not, especially in Toronto, where there's a lot of fucking retro nights, and I'm going to keep playing the same shit from the 90s until I fucking die or drink myself to death on stage. I don't know. I don't know what these guys are doing. They're playing shit from 2005. I don't care. Well, the thing is, yeah, you're, uh, you have a point in that I would never make fun of somebody or, or put somebody down for what they like. Um, because I'm really interested in sharing music and I know lots of other folks who are really into music and they want to share it. And it's like, oh, well, if you like this, you might be interested in this or what about this? And, you know, oh, you're really into, uh, industrial with German lyrics and, and, and heavy, you know, heavy electronics and stuff like you, that you probably need to listen to this or, oh, have you ever heard this? Or, you know, like they're. Not everybody is going to know all the things like the no, cool thing about music is that we get into our our preferences and what we really like. And again, when you're a serious music fan, you're just going to go in down that rabbit hole and dig out everything you can when you're like, I fucking love this band. I want to know everything about it. And you're going to go do your digging. And that's awesome. Um but then you get to talk to other people who are like, oh, well, actually, if you like this, you might be really interested in this. And then that way there's a, a knowledge that's being shared. There's all sorts of stuff that's being dug up. Um, I have to really give a shout out to um, DJ Dragnet, who does a channel called In-Depth Music. Um, he's probably half my age. And his music knowledge of really obscure stuff from the 80s and 90s is stellar. He plays some amazing stuff. He's like the DJ's DJ when he's he's playing. And he's got a YouTube channel where he posts all sorts of different bands. And it'll be like, here's some post-punk stuff. And it's from 1983 from Norway. And here's this and here's that. And like, it's really fucking fantastic. And... Um, and then there's folks who are super into the new. And then it's like, oh, well, if you're really interested in this, here's a bunch of other bands that are from South America. Or, oh, the scene in Mexico is fucking huge. You want you want to know bands out of Mexico? Here's a bunch of them. So it's it's there's a lot of sharing to be had. Because some people get really stingy with their music because they want to be the ones who, like, I discovered this. Blah. Yeah. And that makes me awesome. I think that's... But it's, it's part such of the a problem, honestly. Yeah. I think that's part of the problem because at some point we're expecting people to want to. At some back. point. No, roll back that whole segment. <clears throat> yeah, but that's all great. And the whole thing is, though, at some point, whenever somebody's new in the scene, we're expecting them to know some of this stuff. 
we need people to be more less gatekeepery in music and more introductory. And I think that's where other scenes beat us, especially in electronic music, where if you show up at like, I could go to a house rave today and be like, yeah, I haven't been to a rave in like 20 years. And these are the DJs I knew. And they'd be like, that's cool. That's cool. That's cool, man. You should really check out this guy. I think you'll like him. And I think we need more of that and not, oh, 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 you got here because of Marilyn Manson. Ugh, that's not cause. Right. Oh God, the the, the most boring conversation of all time is the what is goth conversation. It is. You're right. You're right. Do you remember I told you about the KMFDM show where Sasha tried to sneak me in? No. I mentioned it. I I think I mentioned it on the podcast. My friend uh, Kristen and I, we had gotten tickets with her boyfriend at the time and another person. And... The week before, a couple of friends of mine who were like two years younger than me showed up with their school IDs and just flashed them and they got let in to see Faith the More. So we tried the same thing a week later and we didn't get in, get let in to see uh, KMFDM. And then Sasha walked by with his fucking Taco Bell and tried to sneak us in the back door and tried to sneak us in the back door uh, as the owner was walking in. It was like, they're underage. I'll cancel this whole fucking show. And we was like, we're leaving, we're leaving. And we sat out front. But the whole time we sat out front, there was this one girl who came out smoking between every song. Literally, it's like, none of this shit's goth. KMFTM's not goth. Marilyn Manson's not goth. Nine Inch Nails is not goth. And you know what? It's 1994, five, six. I don't remember. Um, The reality is, though, that person is a true gatekeeper. Whenever somebody tries to come out and goes everything you hate is not what i love that's gatekeeping um and that's what we need to remove whenever somebody comes out and says hey this is a problem or or, you know not every time somebody disagrees with you is gatekeeping is what i'm gonna say okay Um, yeah yeah i can get i don't know i'm kind of rambly I'm kind of rambly. I know we're we're all over the place. So the 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 TL the the too long didn't read of this podcast should be gatekeeping should be for keeping out problematic people out of your scene because if you got some racist, bigoted, homophobic, transphobic asshole, they should not be welcome. Silence Throw them down is down a compliance. flight of baseball bats. Silence is compliance, and if you're silent about it, you're okay with letting this in, which is not cool. I think we need to look out for each other and keep others safe. Punch Nazis and forgive people who are doing the work and have credible resources. Bingo. Or I credible think that's sources. Also very, very important because people looking for redemption, it's definitely case by case basis. Uh every day is a is a new opportunity to to do good uh and to right your wrongs if uh if if that has been the case. And uh yeah, I think that that kind of nicely sums it up and yeah let's just listen to fucking music and enjoy our shit here so i think this just about wraps it up all right so that means everybody knows to drill by now please like subscribe and share please hit us up on facebook and like us on facebook please hit us up on our gmail which is it's midnight somewhere podcast at gmail.com we have stickers we have thank yous for robin bright for our intro music Marion Green for our work. We have buttons still, I think, too. You want a button? You want a sticker? Hit us up on morbidoutlook.com slash sticker. Yeah. And where are the buttons? 
uh, morbidoutlook.com slash button. Oh, wow. That's too simple. Yeah. Other than that, uh, everybody have a good month. Uh, we'll be back in a month. And yeah, we're not playing as much music these days, but if we're going to do a monthly podcast, you're going to hear us talk a lot more. So fucking deal with it. If you want to hear us playing some more music, do tune in on Friday nights at twitch.tv slash prophecy underscore online. And now that we've pimped out all our stuff, uh, we wish you well and uh, we'll talk at you later. Happy Canada Day. Oh my God. How's that coming up so soon? Midnight, summer, it's midnight, it's midnight, somewhere, it's midnight. This podcast was almost called Lifestyles of the Depressed and Gothic.